Carson Price for Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. Coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Week here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport looking for a bite, we suggest the apron. You can find it at the Western Wall Center YVR. Eat locally, fresh, eat well. Matt Scarce alongside Blake Price. Tim Asfar hitting switches, conducting things. And this show presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Applewood Nissan Langley. Applewood Nissan Surrey and Applewood Nissan Richmond. You can get into the 23 Pathfinder at 318 Bi-weekly, the 23 Frontier, if you're looking for a pickup, at 644 monthly. And the astonishing midnight edition of the 23 Armada from 895 monthly because, Blake Price. It is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Worst Canucks acquisition of all time. Oliver Ekman, Larson, Louis Erickson, Mark Messier, or other. Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day from me, poking around more NFL futures, where Seattle looks like the second best team in the NFC West behind San Francisco. And if you think they'll finish there, and most people have them finishing there, you actually get some decent value here at plus 150 on your Bodog line of the day. We have arrived at today's Bodog poll question because our buddy Rob Williams, who will be on the show Thursday, has quite a specific article today on Offside and the Daily Hive about Oliver Ekman Larson putting his lavish Vancouver home on the market where they are asking $6.838 million. 1995 White Avenue at Kitts Point. And the realtor there has been very cooperative and quite promotional here in his marketing mm. of this home. Um, a show-stopping panoramic rooftop patio. A perfect blend of beachside serenity and modern luxury, Blake, if the Price family is interested. And is, uh, the, is this a house cast or a podcast? Uh, virtual and open there are house all here. sorts of photos and videos there as well on Rob's article. So there See you go. See how an underperforming top four defenseman mm. lives. I'll be okay. Rob Williams went so far as to say it was a selling sunset style of open house that took place. Oh, really? Already. And uh, I used to... Does that uh, mean it's warring real estate agents? Is that what he means? I, I don't know, but... Um, Chrishell was up here? I, really? I have walked this part of Kits many, many times, and uh, good to finally put a, uh, a uh, house face to the name of Oliver Ekman. I knew he lived down that way, and uh, it's a absolutely gorgeous home, so get in while you can. Uh, so that has us wondering about worst acquisition. You'll notice this isn't worst trade. We've done that before, and Cam Neely tends to win. But when you go to acquisition, like Barry Peterson was a decent player. So we decided not to put him on this list. It's OEL, it's Louis Erickson, it's Mark Messier, or other. And if you want to vote other, specify in reply. I voted for OEL because he costs money, cap space, and players. Erickson only cost. Money, money cap and roster space. spot. Yeah. Messier only costs money. That was pre-cap. Yeah. And of course, you know, Messier, as much as he um did not get along in the room 
or with the greater public here in Vancouver, produced. Erickson didn't produce. Louis was also, I almost called him Lucy. Louis was one of 12 forwards. So you're talking about eating up a roster spot versus one of six defensemen. Mm -hmm. It's more prime real estate. Right. Yesterday's Bodog poll question. On opening night, who will be the Canucks' third pair defenseman on the right side? We asked you about Ian Cole, Noah Juleson, Cole McWard, Tyler Myers, who won the poll. Noah Juleson. No, Tyler Myers. Mm. He got 58%. Ian Cole got 20 Juleson 16 McWard 5.5. There were some writing candidates. Leo, it'll be an Irwin Myers pairing. Talk it loves vets. Very sly Matt Irwin. We debated Matt Irwin and Philip Johansson mm-hmm. on the poll, decided against putting them in specifically which is always why we say voting others, specify and reply. Very sly on Leo. One Canadian hustler. Pick Myers only because no other option. Philip Johansson, definitely a poll miss, not including him. Fair enough. He's got some pedigree. One-time first-round pick. Spent last year in Sweden. I suspect they're going to want him to start in Abbotsford and reacquaint himself with NHL ice. It's the one big, big change between playing defense in the Swedish league and in the NHL. That forecheck is coming at you. It tends to be a bigger body, and they tend to have bad intentions. Not so on the bigger European ice. Shred Dude says, I voted Myers, but mostly because the others have no chance. I do think it's possible that Myers gets dealt in September and they promote from within. I could see Willannon or Hiroshi as lefty with Irwin on the right. I guess Juleson has a small, has a small chance to be there. And then Dave says, Jet Wu, picking up on a most recent story from Chris Faber on Canucks Army, and we talk about some of this with Patrick Johnson later in the I think Jeff will probably plays hockey for the Canucks at some point this year yeah, based on which, using which, 12 defensemen last year which is a great story if he gets there and a story of perseverance because if you don't remember Jet Wu went into his draft year with some top 10 buzz about him yeah. a strapping right shot defenseman with a big shot Well, he did not have a very good draft year. He slid to the second round with the Vancouver Canucks. We know the story. He's now 23 years old, and there was a lot of us who had given up on him being an NHL player. He's 6'2", 200-pounder, and he had a step-forward season last year in Abbotsford where he put up 21 points in 68 games, including seven goals. So another progression, and you could absolutely see Jet Wu playing games for the Vancouver Canucks, which brings us to Corey Pronman and the Athletic, the annual rankings of, well, it's more pipeline than prospects, if you will, because Corey includes NHLers of a certain age. And one of the reasons the Vancouver Canucks have slipped from 14th, where they ranked on Corey's list last year, to 24th this year, is that Quinn Hughes has aged out. He is now 23 years old. In fact, he'll be 24 years old just after opening night in October. So Corey is no longer uh, involving Quinn Hughes, which, needless to say, produces a huge hit in his formula. Here's the tweet from The Athletic. The Canucks are stuck. Their roster, good but not great. Their prospect pool, about the same. And the players in their pool don't project to provide immediate help in chasing a playoff spot. Tom Wielander leads Corey Promen's 24th ranked 
Pipeline. Uh, it's Wheelander. He's got Atu Ratu as the number two Canucks Pipeline player. Jonathan Karamaki, third. Mm-hmm. Vasily Podkolzin, fourth. Archer Silos fifth. Hunter Brestevich, sixth. Hmm. This was their third rounder from this past draft. Nils Hoaglander down in seventh. And then Danila Klamovich at eighth. And yes, outside of Podkolzin, Hoaglander, maybe Ratu. And, well, Silovs as well. So four of the eight could well play NHL games this year. What Danilo, do you make of that? Danila Klamovich, 17 goals in 67 games last year. As a, what, 20-year-old or 19-year-old? I Yeah, part of it. The first half of the season is a 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. I mean, should we expect 25 or 30 out of yeah, this year? I mean, one would think this is his third go-around in the... I mean, that would change his stock, I think, in those kinds of rankings oh, for dramatically. Sure. For sure. Right? So Yeah, he turned 20 in January, Blake. Yeah, so the first half of the year, he's a 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, more on this coming up with PJ, but I think that's an interesting name to watch. Well, so. he doubled his goal uh, yeah. output from year one to year two. Yeah. Now, 29 points. I mm. okay, It's half point per game almost. Mm-hmm. Getting close to yeah, half yeah. point per game. It's not bad. I mean... I think you're going to want to see more than that if you factor him as an NHL player anytime soon. But, yes, uh, we knew it was going to be the long road with Danila. And last year was a very nice step forward for him. Uh, What do you make otherwise of the ranking? I I looked at Hoaglander at seven and thought "Mm, he could probably be ahead of Bristevich. Uh, I I would have thought Lekaramaki ahead of Ratu, but Corey must love him some Atu Ratu. Well, you have to see sort of the algorithm of you know what's been weighted more heavily um the likelihood of playing games in the National Hockey League or upside because I think Niels Hoaglander's upside is probably lower than Brestevich's but I think he's got a chance to play National Hockey League games mm-hmm. more so than Brestevich he already yeah. has for heaven's sake so yeah. um it depends on how you look honestly, at it honestly in terms of upside I think the two guys you can highlight there are Lekaramaki and Klimovich because they could be high scoring wingers yeah Ratu, I'm not sure, is going to be a high-point producer. Wheelander, as we talked about, I'm not sure is going to be a number one defenseman. 40-point defenseman, maybe 50. Do you still hold out some hopes that Pod Colson can have... Do you hold out hope that Pod Colson can be a top six forward? Or are we looking at a middle six? Silov says NHL starter ability, so that's a lot of upside. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brustevich, if he hits, they think will be more of an all-around defenseman, sort of a, a middle-pair guy, perhaps the third-pair guy. So, yeah, w- we shall see. Um, they do have more prospects, though. I will say that. There's a little, there's greater depth in this system now, and I suspect more depth will come so long as they keep their draft picks for next year. BC Lions back at it home Saturday. It's superhero night at BC Place. Blake. Captain America, Black Panther, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Black Widow all in attendance. No kidding. So if you have kids who are into superheroes and you just take a look at any movie theater these days and there are a lot of people into superheroes that they seem to be the only movies that get made these days. This is quite a day. Plus a hammer-themed piñata on hand at the backyard or on on the plaza, the tail, Terry Fox Plaza, and of course the pregame tailgate party. Interesting, they chose Black Widow. Like that's basically just Scarlett Johansson. I don't think Scarlett's oh. going to be there. 
There's not much of a costume for Black Widow. Tickets start at $25. Of course, those beverages in the pregame party are $5. And we're giving away tickets. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win tickets. Comes with a food and beverage voucher and a gift card at the team store. We'll be picking a winner Thursday, announcing on Friday's show, and sending somebody to the game. And here's the other thing. The Lions will know what they're up against because Winnipeg and Calgary both play prior to their kickoff Saturday at 4 p.m. Saskatchewan has the bye this week before they head into their Labor Day Classic with Winnipeg and then, of course, the return affair of the Banjo Bowl. So the Lions will know whether they're a game and a half back of Winnipeg or if they can move into a virtual tie. Winnipeg holds the tiebreaker right now on point differential, but they have another game to play at BC Place in early October. And, of course, they'll know, and they hold a tiebreaker against Calgary, but they'll know if Calgary's going to take a step towards them this week and whether they'll have to worry about Calgary for the remainder of the year, and there is a game remaining there as well. So uh, it will all be out there in front of BC. They get back to practice tomorrow. We'll know uh, a little bit more about how they got out of this game injury-wise and, of course, the status of a couple of key linemen who I think their presence were missed on the weekend. Jarrell Broxton, the left tackle, Woody Barron, a defensive tackle. I would suspect Dominic Rimes is probably at least another week away, although I'll say this, the Lions play Labor Day this weekend, Blake, or this year. They play uh, Montreal. Yeah, that's usually so their have, Labor Day fall. Well, they, in previous years, they had been pushing the Montreal-Ottawa Labor Day rivalry, but they're taking a break in that, so BC plays Montreal on the Labor Day weekend. We're accustomed to them having that off with no natural geographic rival. And another reason why they we need a 10th team in Halifax. So yeah, we can do the, the coast, coastal. The coast-to-coast battle mm-hmm. on Labor Day. Oh, sad news out of Seahawks camp. First-round pick wide receiver Jackson Smith in Jigba is undergoing wrist surgery in Philadelphia today. Adam Schefter reports he still has a chance to be ready for the start of the regular season the surgery is going to determine how long he might have to miss. He hurt his wrist Saturday night versus Dallas in a preseason game. He had been the talk of Seahawks camp. And, of course, it's a position group. They feel really good about the first three guys, Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, the longstanding veteran. Without this guy, your three receiver sets get compromised a little bit, and you do wonder whether... Pete's going to want to emphasize the running game a little more if they have to play with him without uh, Smith and Jigma from yeah. the jump of the season. Yeah, some of these surgeries uh, are surgery with uh, a lowercase s, and I think that's what this one is, at least they hope when, when they go in there. Um, so, yeah, let's hope that whatever they discover in there is uh, less severe than they anticipated, and maybe he's back in two, two weeks. Time. Yes, and the um, Seahawks begin their season against the L.A. Rams at home on Sunday, September 10th. And that is, of course, a, a late window, 125 kickoff on the opening Sunday of the National Football League. The Portland Timbers have fired their head coach and a longstanding head coach, Blake. Joe Savarisi's gone. They're looking for the new coach bump Saturday when they host... Vancouver Whitecaps FC, and as we've talked about, this is effectively a must-win for the Caps Cascadia rivals. They are in chase position, and they need accumulation of points, particularly at home against teams that are above them 
in the Western Conference standings. All three Cascadia teams suffered really bad losses on the weekend. Seattle and Vancouver at home both got shut out, and Portland got throttled on the road. Um, so <laughs> they're all licking wounds here. Um, you know what? Here's the, the, the did this Savarici got is he the guy who replaced their? Remember yes. they had a coach who was very yes. chatty and got in the face yes. with a couple of cats. Yes. Yeah. So he's been there that long. Yeah. Oh wow. That's no, a very good run. Twice to the MLS Cup and mm-hmm. yeah, no, he's he's decorated. I mean, I think he'll be well sought after by other MLS teams this coming off season. Um but here's the way to think of it like bad loss at BC plays, no doubt about it for the White Caps. But if they had lost their first, if they'd won that game, let's say they win 1-0 rather than lose 1-0 and then lose the first of the seven straight on the road, I don't think anybody would have pushed the panic button there. So if they go out on the road and win game number one on the road, I think they right the wrong, but it doesn't exonerate them for the final six games of that road trip. It means they still have to take care of business. So they've they've got to become road warriors. We'll see if they can do it. You wanted a word or two as well about Lionel Messi and the uh, victory at Leagues Cup. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to get into that uh, yesterday, but it was a spectacular final. Um, an amazing goal from Messi. A great atmosphere, over 30,000 in Nashville. Was it 10-9 on penalties? Did I see that right? (laughs) With the keepers deciding it. Wow. Um, Both teams had chances at the death. One with two minutes left for Nashville. One with no time left. The craziest closing sequence outside of the post on a little chip to himself as he goes one on none. Uh, Leo Campania. I mean, it was unbelievable. The, the game should have been over. Yeah, um, It was really exciting. The whole tournament ended up being way more exciting than I anticipated. I think they've got to play in Mexico to really make this tournament yeah. mean something. I did see MLS Commissioner Don Garber spoke on Lionel Messi and, and spoke on Lionel Messi as he now goes around MLS stops for regular season games. And it would appear as though the... The commission is a little concerned that the big crowds that will flock to see this guy are simply there one and done to gawk at Lionel Messi. He mentioned, I would never tell our clubs how to market individual games and individual opponents, but he talked about how when Lionel Messi goes to Philadelphia, there's an opportunity there to create a bunch of Philadelphia Union fans. Yeah who are against Lionel Messi, even if the reason why they're in the stadium paying their ticket is yeah, that's Lionel the theory, Messi. Anyway. That's what he hopes, right? That it isn't simply a passing fad, come and see Messi, but be a rooted MLS supporter of your local side. I am interested to see how much further success Messi has now in the MLS regular season. Coaches were rotating players in a little bit during the League's Cup. Um a slightly diminished roster at times, especially in the early goings of League's Cup. Will Messi score every game in the regular season? I, yeah. I think things clamp down a little Probably bit. Probably. I mean, that's quite yeah. a high standard to yeah. hold any yeah. soccer player to. Mariners win again at seven in a row. Cal Rally, two home runs, six RBI. They didn't even need Julio Rodriguez in the lineup yesterday. Seattle now a full game ahead of Toronto for the final wild card in the American League. They're a half game back of their rivals, Houston for that second wild card. And Blake, they're just two games out of the division lead with the Texas Rangers who have lost five in a row and are down to, um, yeah, are, uh, 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 two games ahead of Seattle. And they play the Mariners at T-Mobile to end the season. 
I'm telling you, I think Jerry DePoto and company may regret not adding a cost-effective bat or two just to supplement that lineup a little bit because this very much looks like a playoff team now. We've talked about it. Even things are breaking their way now. J.P. Crawford came back yesterday off the concussion list. Their young starter, Emerson Hancock, gets hurt. Oh, lo and behold, Brian Wu is ready to come back and, and pitch. So just nothing but good news headlines down the I-5 with the Mariners. And the Vancouver Canadiens start a 12-game, season-long 12-game homestand tonight at Nat Bailey. Thankfully, the smoke has subsided here. The air quality is better, so they'll get going tonight. Slovak, Irish, Canadian Adam Mako is on the mound for the Seas, which brings us to today's menu, brought to you by De Dutch. To breakfast, to brunch, to lunch, get it all at De Dutch. We have North Delta's Brent Lavallee, the manager of the Vancouver Canadians, on today's program. We had to have Skip on because, boy, he deserves a bow or two after this extraordinary Vancouver Canadian season, 71 and 42, a baseball best, 39 and 14 at Nat Bailey Stadium. They won the first half by four and a half games. They're leading the second half of the Northwest League by six games. And it has been a magical summer for anybody wearing red and white at Nat Bailey this year. Truly, truly remarkable stuff. Patrick Johnson, of course, is our Tuesday regular from the province and post media. We talked to him about OEL. We talked to him about the Canucks defense on opening night. We talk about their prospects and their pipeline, as well as he's got a nugget about Troy Stetcher and a giving back to the community a little later on this summer. Of course, we'll do some hashtags as well, including uh, Tiger Woods's dominance and Scotty Scheffler hanging just a little bit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Remember way back to June... When the Canucks entered this offseason with priorities that included a big winger. Now, granted, the winger was fourth down the list after two defensemen who could play in the top four. Enter Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, and a third-line center. Enter Puse Suter. Their lack of cap space has prevented ticking that, that final box by now, but who knows what happens with Tyler Myers and whether they might still have the room to add that piece if the big defenseman is traded. For the moment... 
new head coach Rick Tockett is going to have to get his rough and tumble from Dakota Joshua and Phil DiGiuseppe and Tanner Pearson if he's healthy. Size, or lack thereof, may well be something that eludes the Canucks this season, particularly at forward, and you wonder how that will jive with Tockett, who was himself a big, gritty winger. The Athletic recently did an article looking at Vancouver's measurables and how the Canucks stack up versus the Pacific Division. The Canucks are the second shortest and second lightest team up front, averaging six foot and 189 pounds per forward. Only Seattle is smaller, and that's mostly because of Yanni Gord and Kyler Yamamoto, both of whom sub 5'10", sub 180 pounds. The Canucks, of course, have Connor Garland in that category. Size considerations, while important, are more likely to separate clubs in the Stanley Cup playoffs than the regular season, where space is more readily available. It's no biggie, pun intended, and at this point, it looks like it'll fall to the next phase of the Canucks' evolution when they have more cap space or more assets to trade. Until then, Tockett may have to suffer a lack of size. That's Welcome Out for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. On Twitter, at Matt Sakaris, at Sakaris and Price, and the Welcome Matter presentation of Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Visit greatclips.com today to find a salon near you. Sakaris Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Today's Bodog poll question We're asking you, worst acquisition? acquisition of all time. Oliver Eckman Larson, Louis Erickson, Mark Messier, or you can vote other. Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. Victor Hovland coming off that scorching 61 and a victory at the BMW Championship. Max Homa should have been right there. He had one bad hole, a triple bogey. Kept him out of the proceedings late. So I love this uh, pick two tab on Bodog where you get two shots mm-hmm. at the winner. Hov- Homa and Hovland together, plus 330. H.O., give me the hose <laughs> at plus 330 <laughs> on your Bodog line of the day. Wow. Here's Patrick Johnson. What a way to come province. in. My God. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. Media. So, but worst acquisition of all time, like, I mean, is Barry Peterson breathing a sigh of relief here? Just so in, we... In, in, sort of relative terms yeah we we, we've outgrown them we've outgrown them so here's the thing given the phrasing of the question in the word acquisition yeah we felt like we couldn't put barry peterson on there because here's the thing he was actually a pretty good player yeah and he was kind of fine he was a productive good player now he wasn't cam neely and of course they gave up a draft pick so if you're talking trade in canuck history it may still be the winner Sure. But if you're talking sure. solely okay. about the acquisition, um, okay. it's those three. Or if you want to go off the board, I voted OEL, but allow for the fact that Connor Garland can redeem that trade a little bit still. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be equal, but that trade tree uh, continues to live. And then, of course, you have Messier and, and Louis Erickson. I don't even know how to vote. 
I mean, I think of Messi, if we're going on actually was a productive player, Mark Messier was a productive player. That's, like, that's why I didn't vote for Messier because, you know, much as he was tearing the room and the organization apart and generally not really endearing himself at all to the good people of British Columbia, he did put up points. Yeah. Much yeah. like Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ever looking for a sort of a scorching hot analysis of his time here, you bring on Scott Brown, CP sports editor, Scott Brown. Oh yeah. He's got opinions on this. Scott's well, I mean, he's an Edmonton guy, you know, his, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's uh Scott will, he does it slightly to rile you up, but yes, he will talk glowingly mm-hmm. about Mark Messier's time in Vancouver. Point out, he was team MVP, at least one of those seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, anyway, no, the worst it's Louis Erickson. Just okay. Louis, just, he just never was never going to live up to the contract. Like that, that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. from the start. It was impossible. He was never going to live up to the contract. And then it just got worse. And yeah, I mean, OEL, OEL was okay. His first season, he wasn't value for money, but he was fine. And he was a, a disaster last year. So Is at least there... he had okay season. I don't I don't look at any Louis season and say, oh, he was okay that season. No. Or as Travis Travis Green was said, he was just okay. Is there any part of you that thinks OEL could bounce back and make yeah. the Canucks decision look silly? Uh, no. Uh, no. No. Not, you're not gonna no. make it look silly, but could he make have a decent year? Correct. Yes. Well, no, yeah, it's still he, not incorrect, though. It's like Erica Branson. It's like, did Erica Branson revitalize his career? Yes, but do you regret jettisoning Erica Branson? God, I, uh, the two of no, you just and, hammer me on the semantics week in, week out. All right. I mean, Erica Branson, word, Eric, Erica Branson should be in this terrible acquisition list because he was terrible. Yeah. He really was terrible. You forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. McCann in a second. Yeah, just the, cost the trade too. was terrible. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and he he wasn't anything what that it hoped. He was hurt a lot of the time. Um, yeah, no, I mm-hmm. I would almost vote for Erica Branson. Probably going off the I, board. Mm, yeah. But no, I think it's Louis. I think it's Louis. No, okay. yeah, OEL. I think healthy. I think he'll be a fine player for that team. I don't think he'll be. His, like I said, I don't think he was ever going to, he, he certainly didn't live up to the contract his first year here. And I don't think there was ever, it was ever going to live up to the contract, even if they had retained and given another go this year, the, mm-hmm. the, there was, he was terrible this year. There were already some foot speed concerns and then he broke his foot. Um, he can handle the puck still. We know this. Uh, he does struggle with breakout passes, whether that was because he was injured or because that's just, he was a game he never had to learn when he was younger and could skate his way out of trouble. Um, he doesn't have to be that guy in Florida. There's already enough good defensemen there. Uh, I think as a complimentary piece in Florida, I think he has a chance to be a very handy depth defenseman. Moving on prospects, Corey Pronman out with his prospect rankings. Well, it's, it's, I shouldn't really say prospects because he considers NHLers of a certain age. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why the Canucks have fallen in his ranking from 14th to 24th is Quinn Hughes has aged out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's difficult. And yet still he talks about how the Canucks are stuck in the middle. Where are you on the uh, prospect pipeline these days? Well, uh, yeah, I, it's, I did my sort of questions left to go story out on the weekend or, or things for Alvin left to do. And you look at the defense core 
and you see some names that you know they're going to have to make some decisions. Um, but you know, Jack Jack, Rath- Jack Rathbone seems to have stalled out. Jet Wu, obviously, there's shine still on him, and I actually think it's interesting. I wonder his waiver exempt status. He's not, or sorry, he's, he's now waivers eligible. Um, does that mean he starts the season on the NHL roster? Because perhaps there's some buzz. I don't think there's a lot of buzz, but you never know. Young defenseman who shoots right, who does have a bit of a hard rock reputation. But, you know, I mean, obviously the top end, the two top end guys, Willander is a very interesting player. Lakara Mackey, you know, I watched, he scored that goal last week to start uh, Ray Bros. Um, preseason. preseason. Yeah. And, and it was good. You know, he cut to the middle and scored from where you want to score. But I couldn't help. And I hate to talk like this and bear me out. He looked, he just looks small. Mm. And you just notice. I mean, he's very crafty. He's very skilled. Um, but to be a successful NHLer, he is going to have to score goals like that all the time. And uh, that is hard for any player. And so whether he's big or not is immaterial. But the point drew me to think about how hard it is to score in the NHL. And so, so, you know, that, there, that is why I think there are still question marks about him. Uh, and, and certainly in terms of not that he was drafted at all, but what he stands for as a prospect, you know, and then you can work your way through the, the, the various variety of depth players that they have depth picks that they have. Uh, Atu Ratu's, you know, a question, of course, you know, how does he fit in this year? It's not obvious where he slides in given what they've, shoveled around with their center group and as we've noted it is quote pipeline not prospects and you know Vasily Colson is a question mark for him here Silovs we'll see and then it's a you know Niels Hoaglander I think it was surprised to see him all the way down at seven I would have rated him higher just given how the second half of his season went in the AHL but he does have to play in the NHL he does have to bring himself back to that quality so it's a lot of question marks at the end of the day that I mean there's more question marks at least than they had say five years ago but or four years ago I guess after Tyler Madden I mean Tyler Madden hasn't made the NHL so you know he would have been a question mark kind of guy I mean the stats may bear the stats may bear this out because you can actually do the stats on the likelihood of you know a player drafted here where does he what are the likelihoods that he make makes the NHL but Shouldn't one of these guys hit? And I don't mean hit by mm. being a third or fourth line player that just has an NHL career. Because right. I think a guy like Vasily Podkolzin right. can do that. I think he can be an NHL player. But of all these guys that are on the top end, the Ratus, the Lakaramakis, Lair- like, isn't somebody going to hit? Isn't, I think it's, isn't, it's, isn't it's, likely that somebody hits? The traits the player shows. And like Josh Bloom, you know, we saw in development camp, Josh Bloom mm-hmm. clearly has a lot of NHL traits to him, right? But is it, are they star traits? I'm not sure. Lucas Forcell, I saw him do some stuff with the puck that was like, okay, you can see why this guy's able to play with some velocity, but can he actually do that at the NHL level? Um, Elias Pettersson, I think, is going to turn out to be a very solid number four kind of guy, number five kind of guy. But like... That's just mm-hmm. filling out your lineup. You're looking for a guy who can be a two or a three that you didn't expect. You know, I don't. Gustav Forsling, I suppose, although Forsling, you know, you can sort of debate what his actual role on that team is. But a guy that he might be an example of the kind of yeah. player that, you know, obviously he's a Canucks draft pick, but the kind of guy that did kind of come out of nowhere and turned himself into quite a competent, handy NHL player. Um, I, I totally agree. You look, you, you've got to think one of these guys 
especially with all the effort the Canucks are now investing in development. You know, the amount of time that they have the likes of Mike Komasarek and Michael Samuelson and the Sedins and Chris Higgins and, and, and uh, you know, talking to players, visiting with players, giving them feedback, um, helping them figure out what they need to be and believing in the program, like the Canucks themselves believe in the program. So, you know, given all that, yeah, you're right. I, I, that is the one thing I would say in comparison to how things have gone before to the previous regime, that that if there is a chance for to do exactly what you're talking about, Blake, I think that, that it will be because of that, because of an effort to help Klimovich. Klimovich has come a, he's come a long way. Yeah, course, you know what I'm talking about? Talk, yeah, I was talking to someone yeah. the other day, and they're actually, you know yeah. what? I'm yeah. quite high on him. Like the fact that he, he, still so young. Yeah. You know, he so spent young two still. years in the so AHL for from nowhere, yeah. like yeah. no, you know, totally raw talent and, yes. and the tools that he's been able to progress. And now it's just about, can he play the game? He could be that guy. I mean, if you're looking for a guy that, that is a potential to be sort of surprise you how it works out. Um, he could be that guy. It's still a low probability, but, but given where he's come in terms of the skills and the abilities, you know, obviously you can't just sort of learn IQ, but if he's got a base to figure out how to think the game and he just hadn't really, no one had sort of told him how to think the game before, there's a chance. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I've also got an irrational, um, rationally high opinion for Aiden Celebrini uh, based on his genetic stock and I think the fact that he's going to get pushed by his brother. And he's not going to be a superstar, yeah. but I, I wonder if he could be an Elias Pettersson, a DPD kind of uh prospect where you know he just works his way into being a, a bottom pair yeah. right shot defenseman you know which again yeah. would be a huge yeah. win of the sixth round and again it's not based on any particular scouting just that i think based on genetic stock and the fact that he's you know he's going to be pushed by his brother not so much in the position but i think he's going to be inspired by his brother i think he's got a chance and he yeah. will get great physio care off that's the true yes he'll be in good hands but you know, a guy that often—he—he I mean, he didn't look like a guy who didn't know how to play big. Um, but you know, he's the long, long, lanky player, and yeah. uh, you know, a guy who he went to—you know—he played. He went to Shattuck St. Mary's, like he went to the real hockey school. Yes, um, yeah. and he's at a hockey school now. Yeah. And he's at a hockey school now, and you know, and, and not, a and, junior and a, a championship, national championship uh, yeah. with his Brooks team. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and as an eighteen-year, you know, he is taking the slow, the, the the sort of slow but steady development curve, which there are a lot of guys that could work out that way. Yeah, and um, you know, was was he was not a star playing for Brooks, but he was a very useful player on a very good team, and in a in a league that is you know not as good as the BCHL, but. There are, you know, there are guys that come out of that league. Kale sure. McCarr, hello. Um, he's obviously not going to be Kale McCarr, but but the pedigree is there. Obviously, as you mentioned, physically, um, and 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 the path he's taking is a is a one that it's makes, a smart one. It's a smart makes path. a ton of sense. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, player reindeer games on this opening night defenseman third pair right side Myers, Cole, Juleson, McWard. Irwin, Wu, who you think? Well, I think because Juleson's obviously playing with Hughes, right? <laughs> uh, so he can't be Juleson. Can't be Juleson. Uh, <laughs> you're, not having that, you're not having the Juleson-Hughes no, no. pairing, Matt? No, you don't uh, want that back? I, I do believe they brought in a couple of defensemen and with an eye towards playing with Quinn Hughes. Yeah. They might insulate him a little bit. Now, yeah. I mean, it may well be that Ian Cole is not able to uh, muster up 
yeah. um, to that pairing, um, yeah. which is why he's on the poll question. And I suppose yeah. in that scenario, perhaps it could be Juleson. They they have but it in their minds. I something. PG. Why don't we work from that and, and work backward to your own? I, opinion? I mean, I what, do you think, what do you think the Canucks are thinking? Well, I, I think they like how Juleson played with Hughes, and so that's why I find myself wondering if the third pairing guy is going to be Myers. Because I mean, unless he gets traded, and I'm not sure that is that thing. So in that scenario, Cole plays his natural left side for yeah. you, and you go yes. Hughes, Juleson, somebody, and Hironic, and then Myers as your third pair right side guy. I could very well see that. I mean, is that what I'm Myers hearing? Or, I think it's Myers or Juleson. Yeah. Okay. What we're, about where's Susie and all that? Well, yeah. So Susie with Ronick. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And, and Cole with Myers. I mean, that's that's an yeah. NHL defense. Court. I mean, I mean, I was, I mean, the Juleson thing's a flyer, but um, yeah. Needless to say, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you, you need him. Yeah. That that it remains a huge yeah. question mark. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. It, it is again. It's it's back in many ways. It's back to the Shen problem. That Shen should you know that's not a guy that should be playing with with mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes. Like the, the, that, mm-hmm. Juleson is is a is a old school hard rock defenseman who does not move very quickly. And and so from that standpoint, that has been his limitation on playing NHL minutes at yeah. all. Uh, but the, I think they did like how he performed late in the season. I think they did feel like there was a the, the thing he did do well in comparison to Shen was that he could move the puck right like there was it was that it was that addition by subtraction aspect of uh that that uh now pittsburgh penguins analyst cam sharon pointed out mm. at one point that the uh the you know the addition by subtraction of taking oel out of the lineup taking shen out of the lineup that it was a statement about them the fact that the likes of christian willannon and and noah Jilson in the lineup and they were as a group moving the puck better yeah, yeah. So Juleson, I think as a replacement level hockey player, probably is fine, but he shouldn't be playing in that order. So I, yeah, I don't really know how it's going to shake out. But I, I, you look at Myers. Myers should be your third pairing right defenseman. I think there'll be there's a chance it might start that way. I mean, obviously Matt Irwin is in the mix, but mm-hmm. I assume Matt Irwin's going to end up in Abbotsford. Yeah, I, I it's it's it. it, it and yeah, it could be Sousy. Maybe Sousy, but I don't Why think Why are you is. calling him Sousy? This is two weeks in a row you've called him Sousy. Not Sousy? Everybody is it not Sousy? It's probably Sousy. <laughs> it's summer. I don't know. I look at his name. It should be Sousy. Patrick Johnson joining us here on Sakaris and Press. Yeah. Um, Pete Johnson. Yeah. Cam Sharon follow up for yeah. you. Um, <laughs> now that he's a Penguins analyst, can he still be your date to secure some price functions, including a week from Thursday at the Vancouver Canadians and Nat Bailey barbecue? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't okay. even asked him. I have not asked him. All no. the different social events that you've come to with us over the years, and I don't ever remember you bringing Candace. You always seem to bring Cam well, Sharon. <laughs> Or, or somebody else as a date. I can't remember what happened the last time. It was a day game, wasn't it? She had to go to work. Right, work. That work thing. Super yes. Bowl party. Yeah. I guess she was interested in free drinks and free food. Real job. Okay. Real job. Real um, job. With watches, if I'm not mistaken. You, um, yes. you, you yeah. tell me uh, the to-do list. You remember a couple of months ago they were looking for a big winger as well. I guess they don't have cap space for a big winger anymore. I did the welcome out on this today, but Dakota Joshua and Phil DiGiuseppe, I guess, are going to have to qualify as the Tanner big winger. Pearson. Tanner Pearson. Well, okay. Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson. Yeah. I yeah. Don't you've been big on Pearson here the last couple of weeks as well. So I, I'm just saying it's you've possible. Been very odd like, in August, it, PJ. It must be said. 
<laughs> very odd. Very, very odd. Got to keep people talking. Here. I gotta keep. No, I gotta must keep see people the talking. sun on your dome. Pearson yeah. needs to be accounted for. I, I one way or no, the other, uh, right? So, Athletic did something on the weekend where they forged a roster without Pearson, or may have been with Pearson, but where they argued well, no, that the uh, Pearson uh, hang up. The other bald guy. Yeah, the other bald guy. The other bald guy. Put a, one. He put him on. He had him on right. LTIR. No, but. He, and if he's on LTIR, then you no, have no problem. No, but pride. I also believe he fashioned a roster of opening night with 22, not 23 skaters that is cap compliant and accounts for yes. Pearson not yes. on LTIR. So, well, yeah. And I mean, yeah. The, the note I believe he made is that if you, there's a million dollar discount you get by sending a contract like Pearson's mm-hmm. to the right. AHL. And that gets you. Gotcha. So. Okay. Wow. That was quite a hit. Because I is anybody? I mean, I guess the premise is: is anybody going to claim ten no, no, on waivers? No, no, no. That was um, strange and unusual stuff today, Peach. Thank you. Well, let me give you one more oh, thing, oh, just to oh, shout oh, out okay. uh, Ghost Story Coming right. Troy Stetcher. Troy Stetcher has partnered up with Derek Popke in Vancouver Hockey School. There is a pro camp happening next, if I'm not saying 28th to the 31st. Mm-hmm. So next mm-hmm. Monday through Thursday at Minaru on the ice for an hour at 1.30. They are inviting oh. people to come watch. They are just asking for a donation. Troy, I, I, I talked to Troy yesterday. He is putting together a, basically a, a donation fund. The players pay for the camp. So they obviously they are paying for Derek's time and they're paying for the ice and they're paying for his supplies and all that. So there's a fee they end up paying. The funds are going towards the Diabetes Canada um, because uh, Troy's father, part of the, you know, was had been dealing with diabetes mm. his whole mm-hmm. life, and it was, you know, it was a, a he lived with diabetes, and and um, so Troy wanted to sort of pay tribute to his father, who, mm. of course, he lost yeah. three years ago. And, good PSA. Good remember PSA. the story. So, yeah, uh, good on him, Troy from Richmond. He's a good egg. So are you. Thank yeah. you for this. We'll yeah. talk next Tuesday, and we'll see you next Thursday with some mail date of your choice at the Canadians Barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com. Yes. you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. And when you contact Jason, you actually contact Jason himself personally. There's no middleman staffer taking your call, responding to your email. It's Jason himself with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch from someone who works for you and not the bank. Find him at Jason. Dodd Mortgage. At Woe GSPN, the NBA is finding Sixer star James Harden $100,000 for his recent comments referring to franchise president Daryl Morey as a quote-unquote liar, sources yeah. tell ESPN. For the league's purposes on the fine, Harden's comments that he would never be a part of the organization that included Morey played a bigger part in the fine, sources said it touched on the league's rules regarding concerning public trade demands. You know that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? I think Daryl Morey and James Harden are both bad at it. Harden's like the antithesis of that. Yeah. Who's going to want him at this point? Can't imagine. Like, no one's won with him. No. So. Volume scorer looking to get his at this stage. Somebody, a team that is so bereft of scoring, you know, you'd have to be completely without Mm -hmm. scoring. Right. He may uh, ride off the Russell Westbrook way here. Yeah. And we'll look good on him. At M. McCarthy, R-E-V-R, Michael McCarthy of Front Office Sports, despite its trillion-dollar war chest, 
Apple has traditionally been loath to make acquisitions, but ESPN may prove to be an irresistible target. One Wall Street analyst believes Apple buying ESPN is a matter of when, not if. Wow. And it links to a story. Wow. And the theory being here, Blake, that for the streaming revolution to really take hold, yeah. Apple's got to be a player and Apple's got to take out the traditional over-the-air cable network in ESPN. As we know, ESPN is going through all sorts of changes these days. Disney is really paring down the staff there. Yeah. In fact, they've just let go of the guy who has been responsible for producing their very popular college game day show. He's also worked on NFL Monday And that's what you do. You fire a bunch of people before sale. Right, right. So, and look, an instructive example on Sunday night here, locally uh, on television, the TFC match is on TSN. Mm-hmm. Whitecaps are up next here against San Jose. You would think, right? Nope. It was a different MLS match. And I know Chris and Duncan and other listeners are going like, if you're going to play MLS that day, TSN, why wouldn't you play both Canadian teams? Uh, stands to reason. So they weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. In the, you know, they, they got to choose a bunch of games or they got to have a bunch of games. They clearly weren't allowed because I'm, you know, I'm sure they would have wanted that game. Well, of course. I mean, better than two American scenes, yeah. uh, uh, teams, right? And here's the other thing. Apple may well be emboldened because, and I'll comment here, Blake, MLS season pass was not doing particularly well at the gates. They gave it a shot of promotion after launching it. And then along came Lionel Messi. And now the subscriptions are at a million and the goal of $3 million by 2025, I believe, now looks attainable for Apple and MLS season pass, thanks to Lionel Messi. So they may well feel emboldened that we're on the right track with sports streaming rights. Let's go ahead and just buy up the company that has all the sports streaming rights. Well, they've always called themselves the worldwide leader, but as long as they were a U.S. cable company and they had an international arm, they had ESPN International, you go and check into your hotel in Paris, you might have a, a yeah. ESPN Euro, but... You still have Deportes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. My time in Mexico has taught me that. But um, but really, it's been a U.S. brand. Make no mistake about it. If you become a streamer and take down geofencing, as MLS Season Pass has... Yes. Then you, could, you can pick up... You really are the world. worldwide leader. Like, it would be a pretty I, huge revolution. I, if I'm I, TSN and Sportsnet, I am a little bit worried about this. I, I tend to agree with the the hypothesis here. Uh, I, I do think it's a matter of when, not if. Wow. That would be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the one caveat would be the numbers of young people watching sports is not great right now. Maybe they're deterred or daunted by that. But there's still a huge swath of society that watches sports. And, of course, it's non-DVR uh, programming, right? It's yeah. very difficult to DVR sports. And I do think that we have to reach a point where there's some sort of aggregation of the fees, though. You know, everybody wants 20 bucks a month out of you. Mm-hmm. But there's 20 apps we all want. Right. We're not going to pe- spend 20 bucks on all the apps. Yep. This is too many hard decisions. Well, we need bundles. Apple is the sort of company that has the yep. might to, to bundle it.
At TSN, Dave Naylor, the Go Elks are expected to announce Tuesday the hiring of Rick Lalisher as their interim president and CEO after the firing last week of Victor Kui. Lalisher was president and CEO of then the Edmonton Eskimos from 20, uh, 2002 to 2011 and of the BC Lions for four seasons, ending in 2022. Rick Lalisher looked like he was sliding comfortably into retirement. He looked so ready for days off. But he went home, and I think he calls Edmonton home. Um, he does. Yep. So I guess it's just too good to pass up. I think he cares deeply about yeah. that franchise. Yeah. Uh, had a conversation with him last year about everything that was happening there. I think he was distraught by what has happened there to the franchise, to the team, to attendance, to everything. And it's just an interim role, right? Like I think he is going to slide yeah. into that retirement. He's just going to help. And he's got the respect the around the league and around that city yeah. in front in mm-hmm. fundraising and and again that ownership thing and the other uh, storyline that's come out of this is taking staff off of the salary cap in the CFL. Yeah, you know there's a big push. The staff there. Ta- the staff cap is ridiculous. Yeah. It's hurting the coaching. It's pushing guys yeah. towards different. Yeah, no, it's it's awful. At Friesen Sun Media, Paul Friesen in Winnipeg quote. Protecting the quarterback has never been a priority in this league. End quote. Bombers quarterback Zach Caleros on the hit, his health, and the fleeting nature of football. Um, it does look like Zach Caleros is going to return return to the field this week. Winnipeg is facing Montreal on Thursday. Sounds like a shot to his own organization, though, a little bit. Like, Well, it, it's funny because the quote is sort of buried three-quarters of the way down. Needless to say, he has had a lot of head injuries in yeah. his career. And this was yet a, another probably unnecessary one. I'm not necessarily sure that the CFL has protected the quarterback to the degree that the NFL has because if you sneeze on him now it's a, a 15 yard it's a 15 yard penalty. But um Claros has certainly taken his share of hits in this league and you know, you may – I would suspect that Zach Caleros and other quarterback we're going to hear more from them going forward here. Could you get to the point where – On this topic. Could you get to the point where you can't hit the quarterback? You have to wrap them? I mean, I don't know. See, of course, you're talking in the pocket. Yeah, in the pocket. Because the yeah. one thing about a CFL quarterback, he's going to be outside the tackles yeah. and constituting a, a ball a carrier yes. yeah. more often yeah. than the, his NFL. Yep. Yeah. Counter uh, counterpart. Uh, Claro said he didn't think the most recent hit was intentional, uh, and then added the line: "Protecting the quarterback has never been a a priority in this league." Uh, we talked to Farhan Lalji a couple weeks ago. who said, "You know, I'm a little concerned about the quality of quarterbacking around the league, as am I." Mm-hmm. Losing Nathan Rourke and Bethel Thompson in short order yeah. has certainly proved difficult. I mean, that was two of the nine starting quarterbacks, both Do of whom best, who yeah. had. You know, most outstanding player ability. So, I I hear what Claros is saying, and if the CFL officials want to be a little quicker with flags on hits to the quarterback, I suppose I'm okay with that. We can't be losing them. At Steve Ewan, the Vancouver Giants will name ex AHL Henderson Silver Knights bench boss Manny Viveros new coach mm. on Thursday. Sources say so. They found their guy. He's not much of a household name, but he does have a. It's it's a funny resume. He's he's been the head coach. He's won a WHL championship. 
He's gone to the AHL Calder Cup final, and yet he doesn't tend to stick around places very long. So we'll see if we can understand that a little bit in the early goings. But he's been head coach at a number of stops in the dub and yeah. the A. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, uh, good luck to the Giants. Yeah. It'd be great to see them go on a, a run here at yeah. some point. Uh, of course, they went on a run uh, recently, a couple of years back. And then lastly for me, at amateur status, Patrick McDonald on golf. You remember yesterday we were talking about how Scotty Scheffler is doing some things this year, especially tee to green, that is Tiger-esque? Particularly first half. Oof. Lowest scoring average in a PGA Tour season since the year 2000. Tiger holds the first five marks and. Like 2007 and the year 2000, Tiger's scoring average was 67.79. So if he's 69, like, he's 68, 69 he's were pissed. bad rounds. Yeah. They brought his average down. Uh, then Tiger Woods at 68, 68, and 68, and 09, 06, and 03. Then Scheffler this year, 68.52. The only other non-Tiger name on this list is Vijay Singh in 2003 who averaged 68.65. So this is the sixth best scoring season in the last 23 years, courtesy of Scotty Scheffler. And he really, his only competition in this is Tiger Woods and one season from Vijay Singh. And the thing that is not like the other there, particularly when it comes to Tiger Woods and to some degree with Scotty Scheffler, is they only played in the tough events, the good events. Like they didn't play... Oh yeah, they're in not in Las yeah, Vegas no, where they're, they're going to minus thirty two no, exactly, to the winner. You know, exactly. like, so yeah, BJ did. BJ played in every single tournament. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, you're you're quite right. You know, these are the only playing the events where the winning score is minus sixteen right. at best. Yeah. Like they're not going to Glen Abbey every year to destroy those par fives no. on the back nine, bring no. down the scoring average. Um, we'll see what he does. Uh, he's, of course, got four more rounds of golf to play here, so he yeah. could even get that number lawyer lower at the uh, at the Eastlake course in Atlanta. And that's hashtags for today. We're joined by the manager of the Vancouver Canadiens, North Delta's Brent Lavely, and what a season it is at Nat Bailey Stadium. We've chronicled the display. They win the first half of the Northwest League by four and a half games. They're currently up six games in the second half, even though they don't need to win this half. They're already in the playoffs. 71 and 42, including a baseball best, 39 and 14 at home. Brent, it's been quite a season. What do you chalk it up to? Um, chalk it up to great players and, and good scouting and a heck of a process by the by the Blue Jays and our organization. And then, you, you know, you can't forget the people of Vancouver and the Vancouver Canadians organization and just what this team means to this city. So uh, we can definitely feel it and just absolutely proud being a you know, BC guy to, to be here doing this. What's it been like for you to manage this team and experience so much success and see so many of these kids already be promoted to double A? Yeah, extremely rewarding just to see the process and, and see how it plays out for the players and um, just the work, you know, the work that we put in, the preparation, the advanced process, just all of that kind of coming together and, you know, leading to great moments in the field. And, and we've had some bounces our way and we've had, you know, a ton of tight moments that, that our players have risen to and and just been a ton of fun. And, and you know, just again, the, the caliber of player and person that we have 
on that field is is a huge attribute to why we're having this type of season. How much of this are you able to forecast? Like at the start of the season, can you look at your group of players and be like, I think we're going to be really good? Or is it just such a, a wild card based on the age of these players? And and sometimes, depending on where they've been scouted from, there may not be a long book on on what exactly this player is about. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the players are new to us, you know, especially with the draft we had last year. Um, that's what spring training is for. That's what the early camp seasons are for. Um, but then even in spring training, you're playing, you know, we play only the Phillies, Tigers and Yankees. So you don't get to play these these teams out from the, you know, the West side or, you know, Colorado, all these teams that have spring training in Arizona. Um, so you don't really know what you're going up against. But we knew we had a good team. Um, you know, the, the group that was drafted last year, they won the second half in Dunedin, Low A. And the group that finished here, we won the second half or sorry, we went to the playoffs in the second half. So we've got a group of guys that know how to win. and. It's just been it's been a ton of fun and uh, yeah, credit to the right people with the right the right mission. Are you still getting feedback from the players on on what it's like to play in front of a crowd and with the atmosphere and 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 hey, they might even be surprised by some of the sunny days. Uh, they probably get scared off by some of the late April weather, but they must be uh, loving the last couple of months. Yeah, every part of Vancouver uh, to the player is incredible, even even April. Um, to get 2,000, 3,000 in April on a Wednesday or whatever it might be is they don't get that down in, in low A and, you know, you probably won't get that again until the big leagues, uh, especially in the early parts. So it's, it's special to them. It's, uh, obviously special to me and, um, yeah, we just, we love playing at home. It's, there's, there's no other place in this, this league that can, that can come close. You know, Brad, I was talking to Andy Dunn last week about this and he said, don't get me wrong. We've had talented players this year, but it's not like we have like number one, number two prospects who have rolled through Vancouver this year. The guys just don't seem to have any quit in them. Tyler Zickel has come to calling them the cardiac Canadians for all the late inning and walk-off victories. Uh, A word or two about the effort level and just the never say die that you're experiencing from this group, because that seems to be as big a part of the success as as the actual talent or anything else that's happening with the ball club. Yeah, you're right. And and at this level, every player is talented. You know, they they have all ran the gauntlet of college or high school and, and have made it from low A. Uh, so everyone that's on that field is extremely talented. And, and it's the preparation. It's the attention to detail on the defensive side. And we don't give teams extra outs. And, and sometimes they give us extra outs. And um yeah, so we we take care of the ball on defense. Our pitchers are filling it up, and um, yeah, it's just an attention to those small things and and mastering your own craft. So uh, there's no there's no special secret here. It's just go out, take care of the baseball, and use all 27 outs you have every night. I know you have a number of games left here, including this 12 game homestand, which starts tonight. But how much? How for? How much for? How much are you looking forward to the playoffs? And do you have the capacity to sort of set everything roster and rotation wise for the Northway Northwest league final here today. Uh, in terms of roster, that's, that's, you know, kind of out of our hands. I think we've got who we've got for the, you know, the duration here, there might be some, some late moves based on injuries or, you know, player moves, but for the most part, I think the group we have now is who will, will go into it with and completely ready and happy with, with what and who we have here. Um, but no, there, there's not much more we can we can kind of hope for. It's uh, we've got good versatility, we've got a good bench, we've got good pen, 
our starters are, you know, they fill up the zone and attack hitters. So, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty much ready. Just, just, you know, you don't want to look too far ahead because what we're doing right now is pretty special and it doesn't happen a lot in professional baseball to go, you know, however many games over 500 we are, um, and just kind of go to the ballpark every night with a chance to win. I, I don't feel like that's common. So as much as we don't, as much as we want to look ahead and, and get to the end, it's, it's also kind of special to live in, to live in the moment and, uh, just enjoy these these days and this run we're on. It would be 30, Skip, if you were to win tonight, 30 games over 571 and 72, which would be extraordinary. Uh, Brent, we see you there in your uh, in your Blue Jays attire. This is your second year managing the Vancouver Canadians. Career-wise, aspirationally yeah. for you, I mean, like there should be some shine. There should be some rewards coming off a season like this. What's your well, and the guy, the guy managing the big club, of course, sat in your chair That's at right. once as That's well. Right. So, yeah, where are we going from here? Uh, I mean, as cliche as it might sound, I feel like I'm in the big league right now. Um, you know, I, I didn't anticipate having this role when I started coaching. This was not really a a target, you know, this was more of just, you know, a dream that I didn't know could, could really happen. So truly and honestly, I feel like I'm in the big leagues right now. The players we work with, they, they give us all the respect in the world and, and to us, they're big leaguers to myself. These guys are big leaguers and we're just helping them on their way. So if this is where I go next year, then couldn't be happier. If, if there's other things in the future, the same. So whatever we can do to help the Blue Jays win and, uh, and make this entire country and province proud. So. How quickly did they find out that you were Canadian? Was that like, was that lead sentence when you're shaking their hands at the start of the season or? Uh, you, do you mean the Vancouver people or the, the Blue Jays? Yeah. yeah. The, the players, the players uh, coming in. The players, uh, yeah, I believe they know. Some of the new guys, they, they kind of have a little bit like, hey, you might know a little too much about this area. Um, why does this guy have all this information? <laughs> you know, right. where to send your folks when they come in to visit. Um, we've sent a lot of visitors up to the Whistler, but um, yeah. No, it's yeah, they, they probably know, but um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like we're here, we, we work for the Blue Jays. We're, you know, we're just trying to win World Series. That's kind of the big, that's the, the premise of what we're doing and what level you're at or, or what role you're in really, really truly doesn't matter too much as long as you got the right things in focus. But managing in your hometown and having this kind of success must be a trip, Brent. Like, how, how many people do you have on in the stands on a night-to-night basis at Nat Bailey? Uh, how many people are waiting for the manager outside the yeah, clubhouse? Yeah, I've got a few, night in, a night few night. ticket requests every night. But, um, no, it's, it's special to see my parents there. They're season ticket holders without me, even with or without me here. Um, mm. So I feel bad for the next manager, who and whenever that is, because <laughs> um, they might have big shoes to fill. Because they know where the manager's door is. Yeah, and... and <laughs> And the folks sit pretty close to the dugout, so uh, you can hear them. Ah, you can hear okay. them happy or displeased. But uh, yeah, my my folks are great, great baseball people, and uh, yeah, Northwest League or or LSU Shreveport to them, it doesn't matter to to see the players and the coaches doing their best is uh, what they're looking forward to. But yeah, just I mean, how many people can can manage their hometown club? And I think I've said this before, like every team I've coached has been my favorite team. I've coached my alma mater. Mm-hmm. I've got to coach the Blue Jays. Now I get to coach the Vancouver Canadians. Like, uh, what a what a treat! And just absolutely so special to me. Your parents might have to book some uh, plane tickets out east here in the not too distant yeah. future uh, for coaching Double AA, A, Triple A. We'll see. I'm, I'm just I'm just glad well, he can get tickets as we talk yeah. about. They're a tough ticket in the summer, yeah. so good to know you can get all your people in. They are. We go. We go. Yeah. 
Yeah, we go ahead of time for sure, but no, I appreciate it. Gentlemen. Thank you for the time, sir. Congratulations on the success. We're with you and pulling for you in the Northwest League final. All the best, Brent. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. Here's some price from Wall Center. Presentation Applewood Auto Group. Text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. Oh, we got him. No, we got him, Grady. Grady, we got him. He didn't. He missed his cue. No, my microphone was off. Oh, well, that's part of making the cue, like. I think Grady turned my microphone off. I'm going to blame him. No. Oh, really? You think you were sabotaged? We have a saboteur? Anyway, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. (laughs) You know it's going to be great. It's all good at Applewood. It's all great. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program, and I'm uh, gutted to report we have three. Two on me, one on Blake. Mm. We'll start with you. Uh, you said Simon Fraser was going out to play the Boston teams in February. It's yes, January. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I credited Coach Pandolfo with an NCAA championship. He's got a conference championship. They made it to the semifinals. Uh, Reached the final four, yeah. Frozen, frozen four. four. Frozen yeah. four. And then failed to report the results of Friday's Bodog poll question. We asked you, do you respect Jonathan Taves? We got 1,600-plus votes on this, Blake. Yes or no? What did the the people say? Um, they said uh, yes. They did. Percentage? 61. 57. Mm. Rob, I did, but since the Kyle Beach incident, absolutely not. I suspect most of the people voting yes would have no idea what I'm talking about. Bork Tuzi said, would have been considered one of, if not the best captain the NHL has ever seen until it was discovered he enabled a sexual assault co- cover-up. And Quinville says, his legacy is spoiled. He deserves no respect. Mr. Meme says, for a five-year-ish period, he was one of the best players in the NHL. As we say, it's complicated with Jonathan Taves. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Well, like a lot of Lions fans, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Jaguars fan now, obviously. Um, mm. And they seem to be winning a lot, too. They, they've got the capabilities mm-hmm. here, at least in preseason action. They're wild favorites versus Miami. Mm. I'm going to take the Jaguars minus seven. You're, um, you're big on what's it called, the... Uh, with animals, uh, I don't know f- who's from the same species and family and Genus all this. and species. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kingdoms. Yeah. Jaguar and a mountain lion, not too dissimilar, huh? They're identical. They're identical. Identical, other than the spots. They're the same animal, I believe. Yeah, panthers, jaguars, and mountain lions. I believe they're all the same animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would know better than me. I went down this rabbit hole. I've forgotten I know. it now, but I went. I I'm went down to this get rabbit you hole. An easy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you made exactly my yeah. thoughts. <laughs> you need something, right? You need to team me up for something. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll be bringing the uh, facts tomorrow, don't you? Oh, I'll be off actually, so I'll have to relay there you them go. over Tim's to Tim. Tim's going to bring the facts tomorrow. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast, and please follow us on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok. And YouTube, of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about and keep it local.